Good morning, everyone. Once again, we're online. Uh, thank God we've got good news this past week that in a few weeks, perhaps in two Sundays' time, we'll be able to meet in person. And I'm sure we're all looking forward to that very, very much. I know Shane is. He's, he's often said that. And he wants to be the first one to speak live when we're back. I think he missed it over the Christmas period when we were able to miss, meet together. So, um, yeah, we're all looking forward to it very much. I'll just pray as we come together to spend time around God's word. Our gracious God, I thank you for the fact that we now have the hope of meeting together again soon. It is something that in your word we're encouraged to do as believers, to not give up meeting together. And having been apart for such a long time, gracious God, we realize how precious it is to meet together as brothers in unity, brothers and sisters. Bless us as we spend a little time around your word together. Thank you for it. Um, and for any who are unable to meet with us this morning live, we pray your blessing on them. Thank you, Lord God, for our precious gift of salvation, where we who know the Lord know that we are secure in him forever. Bless us then as we spend time together. Amen. Um, thanks, Johnny, for doing the reading. It's, it was from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, I'm reading from my computer and uh, preaching at the same time. So a few weeks ago, I, I spoke on the holiness of God. And uh, as I said, I think it's probably the most important thing that any believer can know is to appreciate the holiness of God more than any other doctrine or teaching. It shapes our lives, our understanding of how we should live as believers. Um, and all of us, I hope, know that God is holy, that he is a, a perfect God. He is separate, set apart from sinners. And yet by his grace, he has come to meet with us in the person of Jesus. He is morally perfect and pure, terrifying in his glory, and still he relates to you and me. God is holy. But as well as God's holiness, uh, what Johnny had read earlier in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. And that is to say that we are God's holy people. We're, we're set apart just as Israel in the Old Testament was set apart. Um, God took them out of Egypt. He redeemed his own people. He said, you're mine. You're set apart to me. So they became his holy people. So also for you and me, we've been rescued by the grace of God, by the work of Christ at Calvary. We also have become God's holy people. It's not something that we earn. It's what we would call, um, we don't have any right to it. We, we have taken the righteousness of Christ and it's what we would say it's been imputed to us. We are made holy by the grace of God. Um, therefore, you and I have become sanctified by God's goodness to us. So when God looks on you this morning, he sees you as his holy and precious child despite what you are and none of us is perfect we are still struggling with sin despite what we once were and some of us perhaps may have come from very very sinful background nevertheless God looks on you and he says you're a saint you are sanctified set apart to me and and Paul often uses that term the saints in Christ Jesus when he's writing to the churches because God's holy people are set apart to him. They are saints. So there is the holiness of God, number one. 
then there's the fact that we are God's holy people set apart to him. And he's writing this to the church in Corinth. And if ever there was an unholy church, it was surely the, this church in, in Corinth. Um, there was division, there was pride, there was immorality of a dreadful nature, there was selfishness, there was just plain sinful behavior. And still, Paul says, those who are God's holy people, sanctified. It was an absolute mess. But he writes to them as those who are sanctified. And though they hadn't improved much, even in the second letter to Corinthians, Paul still calls them his, the saints in Christ Jesus. But I'd like to read a few lines from, from Colossians. You don't have to turn to it. Perhaps even close your eyes and listen to what Paul writes, what, what you and I should be like in, in this. And he says to us, Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Then he says, a little further down, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So this is, is Paul writing to Colossians. We, as I said, we have the holiness of God, and then we have our own holiness that's imputed to us. It's put upon us like a garment. But there's another aspect to holiness that Johnny read just a little earlier, and it's what he's referring to in, in 1st, Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2 to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and then he says and those called to be holy that is to say he makes you holy yes but then he calls you to be holy in other words to behave in a holy way so there are three aspects to your holiness and and it's not just here in in Corinthians that Paul says it he also says for example in in Thessalonians, he says, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, that is God's holy people. And then in chapter 4 and verse 7, a few lines later, he says, he has called us to live a holy life. And it's not just Paul is saying this. In Hebrews, for example, it says, in chapter 10, verse 10, we have been made holy by the will of God. And a few chapters later, it says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And he's not talking about the imputed holiness he is talking about what we would call personal holiness or behavioural holiness. That without that you will not see God. Peter says the same thing, quoted from the Old Testament. Peter says, be holy because I am holy. God is speaking to his people. So, this morning, you and me, Brendan O'Brien, you're called, you are holy, but then you're called to be holy. So what is personal holiness? Well, I've heard it compared to, for example, to marriage. Um, some of you are married and you can say, well, it happened to me in such a day, such a date, many years ago or many months ago, perhaps. Um, you have a certificate to prove it. So you, you got married, you signed the dotted line, you became a married, you went in, a single person into the building, you came out a married person and you went through all the rituals, you exchanged rings, your vows, etc., and all of that. But now you come out 
you're married, but you need to start behaving as though you're married. You you don't, um, for example, the lads don't continue going to the pub, or at least they shouldn't. You don't say, well, I, I want to do what I want. I'm going out playing my sports. No, you, you, you are now a married person. You don't go home to your mammy to cook your dinner anymore, to get your washing done. You have to think, I have to share the load with my wife or husband. We do things together. I am no longer a free single person. I am married. I am committed to somebody else in marriage. That is what marriage is. And you don't behave any longer as though you're single. You need to start behaving as though you are married. And that is what it is like to be holy. You are holy. Now you have to start behaving as though you're holy. Holiness is more than an anointing from God, just as marriage is more than just a piece of paper, a certificate. It has an impact on your life. So why be holy then? Well, very simple. God calls for it. That's plain and simple. But what does holiness look like? How does it affect you? What is it that dictates how we live, whether we are holy or not? Well, we live in a world that it shapes our thinking very much, perhaps more than any other time in history, because we are shaped by the media very much. We're bombarded with opinion from all sources, and we seldom actually allow ourselves time to think anymore. Um, The world is demanding our time and thoughts. It doesn't allow us time to think It's shaping our thinking, even if it's only saying, listen to what I have to say. How do you respond to that as a Christian? What's your views on this? The world has has us dancing to its tune to a great extent, and we're, we're barely aware of it. The world says, be like me, think like me, listen to what I have to say. And probably even the very oldest of us um, are in some way engaged online, and we're we're in contact with others, with online news with, that feeds our thoughts. And it unconsciously, it's demanding our time and our thoughts. We, we seldom get up in the morning, but almost the first thing you do, rather than say good morning to your wife or husband or whoever, you pick up your phone and say, what's happening in the world? What does the world have to say to me? Because you see, the world says, be like this. But God has not called us to be like the world. God has called us to be like him, not like the world, but like our Saviour, the Lord Jesus. And if holiness is God's most defining characteristic, and I would say it is, and it is the one thing that God calls us to be, God has not called us to be omniscient. You know, the last time I was talking about God's attributes, his, his omniscience, his knowledge of all the things, his omnipresence, that he is everywhere, his His omnipotence that he is all-powerful. God doesn't call you to be all-knowing or even try to know loads of things. He doesn't call you to be everywhere or, or, or go everywhere. But what he does call you is to be holy. And it's, it's he's saying just work on the holiness. I'm not worried about the other aspects of my, my, my attributes that you, you can't match. But I am concerned about holiness. It is the one thing I long to see in my people. And curiously enough, it is the hardest of God's attributes that we try to replicate, to to show in our lives, to put into practice. But you, dear brother or sister, you are called to be holy this morning. That is to say, to behave in in a holy way. 
every aspect of your being. Um, and, and, you know, the last time I was speaking on this, I, I, I said, what does holiness look like? And I, I was talking about a chap who said his aunt was very holy because she went to Mass so often. She said the rosary, she spent time praying in the church and all the rest of it. And for him, that was a very holy, she was a very holy woman. And I said, that's not what God really means by holiness, though. And Jesus came across apparently holy people. They, they were the, the Pharisees who stood on the street corners praying so that everyone could see them. And, and he called them hypocrites. He told them they were, they were um, like dead men's, like graves full of dead men's bones and unclean things. And Jesus was dead set against religion. And holiness and religion are very different, even though it may seem that they are similar at times. But they are very, very different. Religion is, is man's attempt to reach up to God, but holiness is what God imputes to you and me. But then he says, put it into practice, just like when you're married. And yet, so what is holiness like? Well, it is being set apart to God. And it does have the appearance of being religious. But holiness is God's moral purity and his majesty and his glory. And he says, I want to see that reflected in you, in your life. You're called to grow in holiness, in likeness to your Savior, the Lord Jesus. Um, and it, there is a spiritual aspect to holiness and that of, of personal devotion to God. It's loving your Savior and, and living for him. That's simply what holiness is religious acts and personal holiness may look similar but it's the attitude of the heart that motivates the action is, is, is the difference it's the defining characteristic what is it in your heart that motivates you to behave um, for example Paul in his, in his writing to Romans at the end of it he's teaching for many chapters about the righteousness of God and he talks about the righteousness of God that's then imputed to us though he doesn't use that phrase but finally in, in chapter 8 he talks about we have received the spirit of God by whom we cry Abba Father the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are the children of God and that's the spiritual side of holiness it is the indwelling spirit of God the Holy Spirit who cries out for fellowship with God and it's why you and I want to meet on, on a Sunday morning to worship the Lord together, to, to, to say we want to meet with our God. But also the Spirit cries out for fellowship with God's people. And again, it's something that obviously we have realized how much we miss it during the pandemic. The, the desire to meet together, to worship, to, to glorify our God and our Savior. That is holiness working out in your life. It is the, the Holy Spirit crying out for fellowship with God, with his people, to say, I want to meet with those who love my Saviour. I want to worship my Lord with them. And then in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, just a, a little further over from where Johnny read this morning, says, we have received, very end of the chapter, it says, we have received the Spirit of God that we may understand spiritual truths expressed in spiritual words, and just as we have the indwelling spirit in us desiring fellowship with God, so also through the indwelling spirit of God, we have the presence we have within us, the mind of Christ, that we may understand spiritual things. 
so that we both desire to know things, but also we have that ability to comprehend things that we once didn't have that that ability to do so. We, it says, have the mind of Christ. And there was a time, perhaps, when you had no interest in spiritual things, but then when the Holy Spirit comes to, to dwell within you, he enters your life, and there is a change. There is that desire to grow in understanding of spiritual things, a desire and an ability to comprehend it. Holiness will show in that desire in you. And if there is no desire to understand spiritual things, to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, then it must be questioned, are you really a believer at all? If there is no desire for holiness, Another aspect of it is is in Galatians we are told to live by the Spirit. The, the Spirit desires what is contrary to the sinful nature and the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Holy Spirit. So what is holiness? Well, it is an abhorrence of sin. And that's that's why in in Galatians it talks about the, the, the flesh, it talks about the acts of, of, of the flesh and the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. And it's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit in your lives working in you to shape you in, into someone who, who has a, a dislike of sin where once you may have secretly thought, oh, I love this. But now there is that battle within you saying, I still love it, but I also love my Savior. And it, it is that, that struggle within us that we will always have. So... And the Holy Spirit will not rejoice in to dwell in, in a believer who continues in sin. Rather, he will grieve to dwell in a believer who, who continues in sin. In fact, it, it is an anomaly, really. It, it doesn't make sense for someone who says they're a believer and yet still loves to sin too much. Because if you love sin too much, it shows that you're saying, I love sin more than I love my Lord Jesus Christ who died for me. And it must be questioned, are you a believer if you love sin more than you love Jesus? Jesus says, I am Lord. I'm Lord of everything. I, I remember one time, quite a number of years ago, talking to an older pastor. And he said that when he was a young man, he a young believer, he met a man named Duncan Campbell. Duncan Campbell was an evangelist, a minister of the gospel, in the Western Isles of Scotland, he worked for a number of years, quite a number of years in, in the Faith Mission Bible Training College as well. But he spent many years in the Western Isles, in the Hebrides, as an evangelist. And he was a man who loved the Lord. Um, and God used him greatly. There were great revivals. People felt compelled, even in at midnight in, in these places where they had no electricity even many, many years ago, people felt compelled, I must go to the church at midnight. There is a meeting and, and there was no announcement or anything, but suddenly people felt, I must go and meet with God's people. And that was the Spirit of God working in that area and that was revival of, of God's people. But this man, Duncan Campbell, who was very much involved in that, the, this older pastor I knew who met him, who met Duncan Campbell when, when the pastor was still a young man, he said when he met him there was a sense of God about him, a sense of holiness. This man has spent time with the Lord 
and it, it radiated from him, the pastor said. And it was perhaps a little bit like when, when the apostles were being interrogated by the Sanhedrin. It said the Sanhedrin said they took note that these men had been with Jesus and it had an impact on their lives. These men had been with Jesus, just like Duncan Campbell spent time with the Lord and it had an impact. It, it radiated from him. And that's what God desires from his people, a sense of his holiness radiating from us. So holiness could be said to be our relationship with God, growing in understanding of spiritual things, a desire for fellowship with God's people, that intimate crying out, Abba, Father, and, and wanting to spend time with him. And it is growing in humility and in love for God's laws, God's ways, becoming more Christ-like. That is holiness. And it's the right of every believer, but it's also the responsibility of every believer to become more like Jesus. So that is the spiritual aspect of holiness. But there is also a second aspect, and it's very, very practical. Paul's letters generally in his teaching, he talks a lot of doctrine first and then follows it with, with application. So, example, in, in Romans, when Paul taught he taught. He ended by saying, "The Spirit of God cries within us, cries out, Abba, Father," indicating that the spiritual transformation whereby we're desiring fellowship with Him. But Romans says, following a lengthy teaching, avoid. Then Paul goes on. Therefore, avoid immorality, drunkenness, jealousy. He says, pay your taxes, submit to the authorities, do not take revenge. All very simple commands all very, very practical, that God would have you obey in relation to your fellow man um, and especially in regard to your fellow believer. And he takes the application of a new life to a far more practical level as he does in, in all his letters. And, and Paul, in, in Romans, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that is... That is holiness. Do not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and Paul has said in, in Corinthians, we have the mind of Christ. Then also in, in Ephesians, for example, he spends the first half teaching the richest doctrine in, in almost all of Scripture about the person, the work of Christ. And then he says, I'm praying for you that you would grasp the depth of God's love for you. And then Paul applies it and he says, do not live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Instead, put off your old self. Be made new in the attitudes of your minds. Put off falsehood. Speak truthfully. Do not sin in your anger. Do not steal. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Get rid of all bitterness, rage. Be kind and compassionate to one another. And that is, that is God's idea of holiness. It is not just spiritual it is absolutely practical. It is not just about your walk with God privately. It is your walk with your fellow man day by day. It's your relationship to him. It's very, very simple, but it's a struggle because it goes against the, our sinful nature, saying me first. And so equally, for example, when you, when you come to Colossians, Paul says, but you are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Therefore, put to death sexual immorality, 
evil desires, greed, rage, malice, slander, etc. Clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience. Get rid of sin. Put on holiness. And, and that is the difference. Get rid of sin. Put on holiness. It's, it's relational. It is practical in its application. And again, these are all, as I say, totally practical. Holiness is not some, some mystical, heavenly mindedness. It is based on a love for your Lord. And it shows, it shows itself in a love for God's people and for his laws. So when God writes to you and me, and through his word, when he says, you are God's chosen people, sanctified, it is true, we've been made holy. But then he says, you are called to be holy, to live in a holy way. And that is the active part that you and I play in, in our own salvation. And it's not that we are contributing to our own redemption, but we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared in advance for us to do. That is holiness. He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He says, God's holy people should be prepared for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. These are all very, very basic commands, but it is holiness working itself out. It is not mystical it is not even difficult to understand. It is simple, but it's difficult to apply in your life. But that is what holiness is. And when Paul wrote in his second letter to Corinthians that they were to perfect holiness out of reverence for God, what he means is that your behavior is based on your understanding of what God is like. And holiness in, in behavior is the result of holiness of spiritual devotion to God. What if, if you say you love the Lord, it will show in your day-to-day -day life in how you treat other people, other believers in particular. But we most definitely are, are called to be holy simply because we are holy. It's not optional. It's as clear and oft-repeated a command as any in Scripture, be holy because I am holy. Simple as day. So, to, to tidy things up, why should you be holy? Well, uh, Paul has, has already said, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And if you think that you are a, a Christian this morning, and you can go carelessly about your day-to-day -day life without considering how holy God is and, and the impact it should have on you, I would say you're fooling yourself. God desires his image to be seen in your people. If there is no desire to live a holy life, then it must be questioned, are you one of God's holy people? And one more reason that I would say we should want to be holy. We're told to worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And I, I, I will say, um, not because I have in any way perfected it, but there is a joy in worship and a joy in holy behavior that only the believer can know. There's a joy in obedience to our Lord that only a believer can, can comprehend. There's joy that, that can be found only in complete submission 
to the Lord. Complete reverence for him. It is humbly dedicating our lives to him, surrendering to him, because you know it is the sweetest place to be. Let all other things go and, and live for the Lord. It is saying, he has made us in his image. What sort of image do I portray to the world? What sort of image am I portraying even to the, the heavenly beings? God calls us to be holy. And I'll just finish with um, with a quote from, I mentioned last time I was speaking, a book by Jerry Bridges, The Pursuit of Holiness. I'll just finish with one quote from that. And Jerry Bridges says, God has called every Christian to a holy life. There are no exceptions to this call. It is not a call only to pastors, missionaries and a few dedicated Sunday school teachers. Every Christian of every nation, whether rich or poor, learned or unlearned, influential or totally unknown, is called to be holy. The Christian banker and the Christian plumber, the unsung housewife and the powerful head of state are all alike called to be holy. This call to a holy life is based on the fact that God himself is holy. And because God himself is holy, he calls us to be holy. End of quote. And may God challenge us to meditate on the holiness of God, that it would cause us to want to be holy people ourselves. It is worth pursuing not just because it pleases the Lord, but because it is the only source of lasting joy to live a holy life for Jesus. Let's pray and, and ask God's blessing on us, having thought about these things. Our gracious God, I give you thanks that it is true that you are holy, you are a good God, and you do all things well. Lord, you have redeemed us and made us your holy people. Thank you for that. Cause us now to surrender ourselves to you and to live for Jesus alone because there is nothing else that is worth living for. Give us the desire to be God's holy people. Amen.